Hello listeners, welcome to Seize the Day. This is Liz Maddia with our second episode bringing lessons from nature into the classroom via storytelling. In the first episode, you heard the story of Ollie the Orca, written by the wonderful Duke undergrad Amy Buckalow as part of her Duke Engage program here at the Marine Lab. In this episode, we'll talk about resiliency, talk about using nature and storytelling to understand the term resiliency, hear Andres Fernandez read his story, Gilbert the Grouper, and then talk with Andres about resiliency in nature as well as in the classroom. So let's jump in. Resiliency is a buzzword these days, but what is it? In general terms, resilience can be defined as the ability to recover from disturbance. Here at the Duke University Marine Lab, one of the primary ways we think of ecological resilience is in the context of our natural environment and how coastal ecosystems can bounce back after flooding, storms, or even hurricanes. For example, we see resilience when we look at marshes and living shorelines that stabilize soils and protect shorelines from extreme waves, also wetlands that absorb water during flooding, or even fish and marine mammal populations that bounce back after a disturbance. But what about personal resilience? How do people respond to disturbances in their everyday lives? One way to think about personal resilience is to think about it in terms of personal skills that allow an individual to bounce back from something difficult. And those skills have been distilled into six pillars or roots of personal resilience. Self-awareness, self-regulation, strength of character, optimism, mental agility, and connection. I could read you definitions of these roots of resiliency, but definitions are sometimes boring, especially for abstract ideas, and definitions can be hard to internalize. So instead of definitions, our Duke Engage Marine Lab students set out to use storytelling as a way to describe and understand personal resiliency and connect personal resilience to our natural world. Whether it's about the life habits of a grouper, how trees grow into forests, or how an orca needs its pod, these examples highlight the roots of personal resiliency, transporting us with story into nature and providing us with another avenue to think and learn about personal resilience. So with no further ado, here's the amazing Andres Hernandez reading the fable he wrote titled Gilbert the Grouper. Once upon a time, in the deep waters of the Atlantic, there was a young grouper named Gilbert. With his mom Gertrude and father Gustav, he lived a pretty nice life, eating anything he could fit his mouth around. This all changed one day. It was a quiet morning, and the family was chasing wounded blue runners and jacks for breakfast. Ha ha, too slow, Gilbert mocked as he beat his pops to yet another baby Almaco jack. That one was really small. Don't get too ahead of yourself. But you always say, three inches is enough. Gustav sighed. The guys exchanged their usual banter as they kept hunting for breakfast. All of a sudden, two ten-pound bonita fish dropped out of nowhere. Hold my kelp, son. I'll show you how it's done, exclaimed Gustav. He looked at Gertrude. Honey, come here. It's time for the adults to eat. Faster than you can say free fish and chips, the grouper couple had engulfed the two bonita. Very oddly, Gilbert's parents began being pulled up by an unknown force. Sweet lips, what is happening? exclaimed Gertrude. We're hooked, declared Gustav. 
He looked down at his young boy as he was being raised by over 100 yards of fishing line. Gilbert, my son, find protection. Go to the man. He disappeared. Gustav and Gertrude the grouper were never seen again. For a few days, Gilbert stayed behind a rock, terrified and mourning the death of his parents. As he was replaying their last words in his mind, Gilbert thought to himself, Wait, Dad said go to the mang? What could he have been trying to say? Go to the mangoes? No way. All of a sudden, young Gil had a light bulb moment. The mangroves, he screamed. Every fish around him looked at him as if he was crazy. It's good that he's handsome, sighed a nearby red snapper. It was decided. At the crack of dawn the next day, Gilbert would set off on a journey all the way back to shore. There, he would find his new home in the deep water mangroves. After ten days and ten nights, our fin friend completed his journey to the coast. He was able to get comfortable in a nice hole under the mangroves. Here, Gilbert would have more protection from fishermen and other dangers. Having said that, the adjustment was anything but easy for our orifice occupant. Feeding proved to be very difficult. It wasn't long until he made two covert comrades, Shane and Sheila the Snook, who had a very different hunting style. As soon as a school of mullet would swim by on the surface, zoom! Shane and Sheila would burst out in pursuit, weaving in and out of the mangrove roots. The two striped sidekicks would laugh as young Gilbert clumsily barged into branches and got absolutely left in the dust by the zigzagging baitfish. Help, Snook bro, I'm stuck, Gilbert would desperately greg to Shane when he found himself wedged between the mangrove roots. This pretty much summed up Gilbert's first few weeks at the mangroves. All of this changed one day. Gilbert was going through the usual funeral routine of trying to chase mullet. After six attempts of sea branch alone for food, the young grouper was tired. Just ambush and retract, said a voice out of nowhere. Huh? Who said that? asked Gilbert looking around. Behind you, said the voice. Young Gil turned only to see a small pair of eyes peeping out of a large rock. The speaker fully emerged. It was a large Kubera snapper. With scars all over his body and a thin barnacle mustache, Gilbert could tell he had been around. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Cornelius the Kubera Snapper, he declared. Nice to meet you. I'm Gilbert the Grouper. I know. Oh, all right. Okay, enough talk. Come inside my rock and we'll get this done the right way, asserted Cornelius. The two went into the cave and Cornelius taught Gilbert the ambush predation tactic. The two would stealthily peek out the cave and whenever a small fish or crab would swim or scuttle by, Gilbert would very quickly pop his body out and grab it. With this masterful method, Gilbert had a full belly in no time. It got to the point where the young grouper was trying to slurp down creatures that were almost his size. Okay, relax, buddy. With power comes responsibility, Cornelius wisely advised. Come on, son. You can barely fit your mouth around it. Oh, trust me, Cornelius. I can show you what these cheeks are capable of, retorted Gilbert as he tried to choke down a full porgy. The old snapper rolled his eyes. All of a sudden, a pilchard landed right in front of Gilbert's nose. 
Oh, here we go, thought Gilbert as he opened his mouth to vacuum the little fish. No, stop! screamed Cornelius as he shouldered Gilbert out of the way. What was that for? That little fish had a hook in it. If you bite it, you'll be pulled in and eaten by a really odd creature. Sure enough, when Gilbert looked, he saw a small piece of metal that had been put through the nostrils of the little fish. Oh, shoot, you're right, good call, exclaimed the grateful Gilbert. Once again, another pilchard landed near the two fish. This time, however, the hook got stuck in a branch. The angler tried to shake it loose, and the baitfish fell off. Hasta la vista, said the now free pilchard. Cornelius and Gilbert laughed as the creatures angrily screamed, trying to get the hook unsnagged. Gilbert stopped laughing, however, as he realized this piece of metal had been what has taken his parents away. As Gilbert's feeding habits fell into place, so did other aspects of his life. His mangrove hole proved to be a great personal space, whether it be for mourning his parents or just having some alone time. Having said this, the grouper found great success in balancing this personal time with fun experiences and conversations with his mangrove mates. Cornelius served as a father figure to Gilbert, as he would continue teaching the ways of mangroves and other sage lessons he had learned in his long life. It got to the point where Gilbert playfully called Cornelius a wise one, his old man, and daddy. The old snapper didn't have friends or children, so he appreciated this. Eventually, Gilbert decided it was time to venture back out into the deep waters in order to live the rest of his life. The mangroves were nice and all, but he was literally outgrowing them. And with all the wisdom he'd learned, Gilbert the grouper knew he'd never be hooked. The end. Once again, that was Andres Hernandez with Gilbert the Grouper. Gilbert showcases his resilience in a few ways. Andres tells us how in the following interview, as well as the connections between resiliency in nature and in the classroom. I'm here today with Andres Hernandez, author of Gilbert the Grouper. Andres, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Okay, so I'm Andres Hernandez, obviously. I'm a rising sophomore at Duke. I'm from Fort Myers, Florida. My major is Global Health and ICS, which is International Comparative Studies. And I came to the Marine Lab because I want to learn more about the marine biology aspect of certain like marine concepts rather than just experiencing them. And yeah, just to have more experience as well. Can you walk us through the development process of how you wrote this story? At first, the assignment was to write a story for children, essentially that shines light upon resilience and like the concepts as well as drawing a parallel with like ecological resilience. And my idea was to write something that appealed more to like younger kids, but more like high schoolers who are facing like just hard times in terms of psychological resilience. There's a lot of social pressure, of course, so it's a peak time for lessons like this. And um, yeah, I had to factor in that rhetoric when writing the story, and that was like very difficult because I'm used to writing all these academic papers, but I had to tone down and think of my audience, really. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you did a good job. Would you actually be able to define resilience for us? Um, yeah, so in a nutshell, resilience 
is the practice of restabilizing and um, recovering, I guess you could say mentally, after a certain hardship has happened. This could be like minor or major relative to who you are. It could be something social at school. That's what it normally is. That's what comes to mind. And there are six pillars that come to mind with resiliency. Among them are um, optimism, connection, self-awareness, strength of character, just name a few. And all those tie into uh, define, I guess, resiliency. Would you want to talk about the pillars that make up your story? There's a lot of connection that goes into it because Gilbert obviously relied on his parents very much at the start, but then they got fished up by a group of anglers. But when he reached the mangroves, he found a father figure and a Kubera snapper, and he was able to find connection with like mangrove mates as well and make friends with them too. And I would say strength of character is definitely present. Um, Gilbert was having trouble feeding in the beginning, but he like had to stay true and like think to himself, okay, this is not working. Like, I'm used to just being able to stick anything in my mouth pretty much and just like, I guess, ambush it, but I can't really do that here. I'm trying to like chase stuff around, but I have to tone down and like learn how to do it the right way. So yeah, for a young fish, I guess you could say that shows a lot of character. Same with self-awareness in that sense that he knew what he was doing wrong and he reached out for help. Um, definitely optimism because he could have just stayed there and mourned his parents, but he realized, hey, I'm going to be fished up just like them, so I need to find safety in the mangroves. That's wonderful. Um, these are all great concepts, and I can see why they're important. Can you talk a bit about why these concepts are important specifically to school-age children and the middle schoolers that this is developed for? So I try to draw a parallel in between Gilbert finding a safe space in the mangroves versus how we need to find a safe space and like know how to balance being social but also taking time for yourself. Um, I remember in my personal experience in middle school, you almost feel as if there's a criteria for how much socialization you should have, like you're thought of as an introvert if you like don't socialize enough. And I think a lot of middle schoolers have this problem with this misconception the truth is that you do need time for yourself. Like, I was trying to draw that parallel with Gilbert and, like, how being alone in the mangroves in his hole was integral, but he also balanced it with making his other friends, and I think that's a big part of, like, this high-pressure social scene in middle schools, that you need to, like, grasp that balance. Yeah, that's a good point. I know middle school is a very turbulent time, so this is a great lesson for them to be learning then. Can you talk a bit more about the connection between personal and ecological re resilience? Essentially, it's very similar. It's based on the same concept that ecological resilience represents a species' ability to bounce back. I say bounce back, that's pretty informal, but I mean recover like population-wise and like strength of population and individual. But like, yeah, so essentially for the Goliath group or that meant like using the mangroves as a sanctuary to be able to recover the population and not be as vulnerable to um, commercial fishing and like trawl net bycatch. And I would say the parallel between there and middle school is like I said, it's very important to be able to recover from the difficult traumatic situations in a high school and middle school environment. This is the most common example. I'm gonna go to it a lot more than I probably should, but there's also very difficult situations in life such as death, loss of a loved one, or um, just any other like 
social difficulty as well as I've been saying. And in both cases, environmental and um, social slash mental, you could say, um, there needs to be a period of recovery. And that optimism, that connection, that self-awareness, those are all key in order to be resilient. And resilience is essentially, like I said, just the ability to be able to restabilize and recover. So in both cases, there's recovery and restabilization, you could say. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it's probably easier for these students to draw those conclusions by giving them an example that they're familiar with. I'm sure a lot of the kids around here have gone fishing and done a lot with fish. Well, thank you, Andres, for talking with us today. It was great to hear your story and have this talk with you. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Seize the Day. Today's episode was produced by Liz DiMattia and Laura Gibbons, with editing help from Jun Yao Gu. The story of Gilbert the Grouper was written and read by Andreas Hernandez and illustrated by Maggie Murray. To learn more about the author or to find an illustrated version of the story, visit our website at sites.nicholas.duke.edu backslash seize the day. Our theme music was written and recorded by Joe Morton. Our seize the day artwork is by Stephanie Hillsgrove. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Seize the Day Pod. Thanks for listening.